Hello, and welcome back, Mailbox listeners, to another episode of Midlife at the Mailbox. We're so excited you are here today listening to today's conversation with a fellow female founder, my personal business coach, and host of At Dear Founder, a podcast that is in the top 2% of all podcasts, Lindsay Pinchuk. Lindsay was the founder of Bunk Club and Beyond, a community she began back in 2010, as she was looking for a resource to help her find community during her pregnancy. It evolved under her leadership to connect millions of parents-to-be with the best products, education, and resources for their new baby. Less than a decade later, she led her company's acquisition by a large agency holding company. Following a successful exit in 2021, Lindsay is now a business marketing consultant, social media coach, podcast host, and a public speaker, working with businesses both large and small to ignite their brand awareness through her signature marketing method, Sweep. Lindsay and I discussed many topics during our coaching sessions, one of which led her to be a guest on our podcast today. Her big lesson was simply to ask for what I wanted. She empowered Denise and I to make a list of dynamic bucket list guests for our podcast and women we aspire to emulate with their success, and Lindsay was at the top of mine. So Lindsay, welcome to the mailbox. Denise and I are thrilled you are behind the mic with us today to share your story and lessons learned over your season 25-year marketing and brand igniting career with our listeners. Hey, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for the second season of Midlife at the Mailbox. Over eight years ago, Denise and I met during a chance meeting at our neighborhood mailbox. Over the years, our friendship has blossomed into something bigger. We can't wait to tell you all about it. And although we no longer share a mailbox, we really are closer than ever in real life. This meeting at the mailbox inspired a friendship, a business relationship, a lot of laughs, a couple tears, and now a podcast. So come along and listen in. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. I'm honored that you asked me and that I was on the top of your bucket list. That makes me yes. feel so good. We're so happy you're here. Um, so it's been a while since I... Lindsay, you and I connected in real life and not just through social media, but we're both thrilled as we keep saying that you're here to share this bucket list conversation with our mailbox listeners and our community, which is all about unlocking success. So the power of asking for what you want and delivering value, whether this is in your personal life, with your career or in business. So what we're going to discuss today is a a discussion that can be applied to all three areas. Yes, and as we discuss the significance of value, it is essential for us and our midlife companions to exude confidence in various scenarios. And oftentimes it's a challenge for women, right? So whether it's promoting our business and presenting our offer to potential customers, or if we're inviting guests to feature on our podcast, networking with individuals who can help us connect with decision makers or hiring managers, or even during job interviews, right? It's crucial to have the ability to articulate our wants and needs with conviction. And that's what I admire so much about Lindsay. We're just going to jump right in and say the things that get us most excited about your podcast and becoming a part of your community. Lindsay is a skyrocketing success in podcasting. Her podcast, Dear Founder, ranks in the top 2%. And it's just really an, you know, a really a best case scenario of how to simply ask for what you want for the guests on your show. And this is my first time meeting Lindsay, so I'm really excited to be here, um, for you to be here, Lindsay. Uh, will you share with our listeners a few of the guests? you're most proud of to have on your show? Basically, when I started Dear Found Her, 
for me, I, I know that partnerships work when building a business. And so for me, it was very important that Dear Found Her had partnerships and partnerships for a podcast look very different than pod- partnerships for a business entity that, that, you know, isn't a podcast, of course. But so for this, I said, I want it to be interviews because I wanted to be sharing the stories of female founders in my community and in my network on my podcast. So, you know, yes, I'm going to get into in a minute, some of the bigger guests that I have, that I have had on the show. But the first thing that I did when I started the podcast was I sent an email to my network and very specifically female founders in my network that I'm connected to already through Mm -hmm. previous entities. And that's who I got on the show first and foremost. And some of them are very big founders like Dana Gordon from Dana Rebecca designs. She was my first guest and she, she's a very big founder. She's a very big business. And in, in getting on the people who I had connections with and having great episodes, I was able to leverage other connections, right? Or other other guests on the show. So the minute you put something out into the world with someone who is on your show and they share it, other people start pitching you. They're, they're people to be on your show. And so yeah. you have to start somewhere, right? So you leverage what you have in order to grow, in order to get bigger guests. And that's really the the strategy that I utilized with your founder. And so to answer your question, when I started my podcast, I too made a bucket list. And um, I, on that bucket list, there were three people on the top, Bobby Brown, Jen Sherman, and Dr. Becky Kennedy. And all three of those women were on my show last year. So, I mean, Bobby kicked off the season two, which started in 2023, but we taped it last year. And from this, you know, this it really was, I asked, I mean, honest to God, in all three situations, like it wasn't just asking, it was putting it out into the world first mm-hmm. saying, I want to interview these women. Okay. So Jen Sherman was my first one. Everyone that I, everyone knew that I wanted to interview Jen. And what ended up happening was, was someone we know, someone I know, and that is in my network mm-hmm. represents her for partnerships. And Jen must have put her email, this this girl, Erica Ekman's email in her profile. And so I emailed Erica and I hadn't talked to her in years. I mean, like since like the beginning of Bump Club. And I said, hey, like this is what I've been up to since I left Bump Club. Jen was really instrumental in talking to me through this bike that goes nowhere and, (laughs) you know, and pushing me to just fucking do it, as she says all the time. And I'd love to have her on the podcast. And within... Two hours. Erica wrote me back and was like, I forwarded it to Jen. She's all in. She's going to, we have to pass you on to Peloton. And they got the Uh ball rolling. Okay. But this was also after I had asked a lot of people. My husband is connected with, um, with Hassau, who is the third founder of Peloton. Mm -hmm. They worked together Mm -hmm. years ago. And afterwards, Hassau said to my husband, why didn't you just ask me? And Jen said, <laughs> why didn't you just ask Hassau? But I just, I didn't, I, I didn't want to like abuse that relationship. My husband felt weird about it. I think had it come down to it, I would have asked Hassau. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's how I got Jen. And then, and then Bobby Brown, I have been messaging with Bobby, like not with her, but messaging mm-hmm. her, adding her, tagging her, et cetera, for a very long time. And if you listen to the episode where Bobby and I talk about it, she said it was like the right place at the right time. I shared a story about how I wanted to interview her because I heard her on Guy Raz's How I Built This. 
And mm-hmm. she shared the story and said, just DM me. And that is literally what wow. happened. And that is like, you know, a lot of people were saying to me like, oh, let me see if I can help you because she is from Chicago. And a lot of people have connections to her. I didn't get this from those connections. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that it's just really important to point out that, um, you know, that you just have to put things out into the world. And then Becky Kennedy as well. She was on, I interviewed her on, um, bump on for bump club back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed Becky when she was nobody. I mean, honest to God, I interviewed Becky when she had 10,000 followers and she was looking to bump club to help boost her awareness amongst parents. And so I ended up just emailing her, like I had her email address still. And Mm -hmm. so I emailed her, someone else read the email and wrote back and said, no, actually they said, thank you so much. But like, we're, we're going to pass. And I wrote back and I said, I later shared this with Becky and she said, I'm glad you wrote back, but I wrote back and I said, Hey, you know, this is really disappointing. I interviewed Becky when she had no followers and I had 3 million. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I really was hoping in my 2.0 that Becky would support me and we would have a full circle moment. And I said, if she changes her mind, please let me know. And the girl wrote back and was like, I am so sorry. I had no idea, which also just goes to show like they weren't even passing it on to her. Correct. And don't be pushy to the point that you're annoying. You know, if, if they had written back after that and they were like, sorry, I would have let it go and that's it. Mm -hmm. But I did feel like I needed to say something because I had interviewed her and she knows who I am. And when she got on with me and I shared that story, she was like, I have no idea that that happened. I don't know whether that's true or not, but you know, I mean, I pushed. And so, yeah, you know, you didn't take no for an answer in a polite way. Right. I mean, yeah. And I mean, that's what I love about your stories and you're, you are truly fans of these, especially, I mean, if I think of all your guests, but like in those episodes that I particularly, that resonated with me, right. Bobby Brown, for those that don't know, or, um, you know, is the founder of Bobby Brown cosmetics and then has moved on to what Jones road, right. Jones road beauty, yeah. and, you know, just a pioneer. You like my in, cheeks. <laughs> are you wearing the miracle bomb? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Before her, and, before and I've been interview. a customer of Bobby Brown makeup for a long time. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, and then Jen Sherman, but though I did not know who she was, I don't have a Peloton, right? But I listened to the episode and really your, you know, for lack of a better term, fangirl moment, right? You were so very much like a fan of hers and the excitement and the exuberance that you had for her really shown through in that episode. And, and now I'm a fan. I don't even have a Peloton. And, um, you know, <laughs> but anyway, it's just, I, you know, it's something I built out. I'm more connected to your community because of that and vice versa. So um, I think it's really We also fun. love the Megan Tante episode because we're- Yeah, uh, I love- yeah, We're I love big, Megan. we're big fangirls of, uh, of every- Ever Eve, yeah. They were hot mama. <laughs> I say when I lived in Chicago, I took away two positive things. I took away my friendship with Amy and her family, and then also the love of Ever Eve, which finally came to the West Coast. I'm based in the West Coast. Finally. And I was like, well, now I just got to get Amy out here and we're done. I mean, you know. You know, it's interesting what you say too. And I'm so glad that you felt that through my conversation with Jen. And the interesting thing about that in, in a lot of my guests, it's not just Jen that I'm talking about now, is that I have continued to connect with a lot of my guests. Um, I email them on a regular basis. Just yesterday, I sent a mail merge email out that was wishing everyone a happy Women's History Month. And basically, it just said, thank you so much for coming on my podcast in the last year. If there's anything I could do to help your business, let me know. Or if there's anything I could do to help your endeavors, let me know. 
And I actually got two people that asked me for to hop on a call about business. And that was not really my intention. My intention was just to continue connecting with them. Mm-hmm. But Jen and I have also taken our friendship, um, our relationship, you know, to a bit more of a friendship. Um, and she's actually coming back on my podcast this week. So um, yeah. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Part two. Well, that's exciting. Well, and I mean, that's networking, right? I mean, as a career coach, that's what we love to hear. I mean, and this is natural, right? I mean, I try to tell my my candidates and my clients, like, it doesn't have to be like you're stuck in a conference room, like exchanging business cards. I mean, I did that last week and that's fun. And it's, you know, it's, you know, it's not a dead, you know, activity. But at the same time, those just really soft ways of, of reconnecting, right? You you sent an email, you said what you're doing, right? You've said that two times. I, this is what I've been up to since Bomb Club, right? That's what you told Dr. Carol Kennedy, right? And, Becky um, Kennedy, yeah. Becky Kennedy, I'm sorry. Um, and then, you know, same with, you know, your your email yesterday and that that just bodes true. And it also just makes you a good friend. But, you know, I think yeah. though it also, I think it's also important to point out just about like capitalizing on the moment. And so, you know, I like, so- when I, when Jen came on my podcast, she asked me on the podcast, she said I'd three times, I'd love for you to come ride with me at Peloton. And mm-hmm. so I made that happen. Like I, yes, I don't live in New York, but what, what was I waiting for? She invited me. I mm-hmm. could always go to New York for work. There were other reasons for me to go to New York And so I went because I also wanted to meet her in person and I did meet her in person. And when I met her in person, she said to me, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't believe we're not having lunch or anything after we have so much to talk and connect about, but I have to go home and watch the Eagles. My, my family's waiting for me to watch the Eagles. (laughs) And I said, don't worry. Like, that's okay. You know, I'm flying home to Chicago, but we also made, um, I, I made, a connection with a mute with a friend of hers that is now a mutual friend of ours. And so that woman and I, um, you know, continue to have a, have a friendship too. We talk on, on Instagram, we're trying to go to a concert together this summer. And, and Jen kept saying to me like over Instagram, when are you coming back to New York? And so I made a business trip to New York for other reasons in January, there were some people I wanted to meet with And I ended up not being able to meet with Jen. She actually had the flu and then she went to Mexico while I was there and it didn't work out. But what happened was because I was going to New York, we actually like had all this conversation back and forth. We exchanged phone numbers and she was like, that's ridiculous that we don't have each other's phone number. (laughs) And and now I'm helping her with some of her stuff for Instagram. And that's why she's coming back on my podcast. And so, you know, it was... It, it was really just like capitalizing on the moment. And then additionally with that, I gave her this Reels cheat sheet last week and I didn't know she was going to share it, but she included it in this reel she made. And a lot of people reached out to me. And so in that moment, I felt like I had to capitalize on that moment. And I told her that I was like, you didn't tell me you were going to share this. You kind of <laughs> fucked up my social media for the week. I did change my whole plan. She's like, well, you did a really good job. I was like, thanks. So you I did. Changed- I like changed around everything I was sharing to, to capitalize on this moment of like insecurity that she shared. And a lot of people came out of the woodworking. A lot of people told me that they felt the same way. A lot of people were asking me to bring back my social media for small business class. And then now Jen is coming back on the podcast to talk about this insecurity and what we've been doing together and the, the little success she's seen in the last two weeks. So, you know, it just goes to show like, 
don't let these moments pass you by. If I hadn't gone to Peloton in New York in November, we would not be in this situation right now. It, you know what I mean? We'd still just yeah. be following yeah. each other on Instagram. Yeah. So it's you amazing. have to make the most of your every moment. Right. Yeah, that's a thread we hear. Yeah, with so many guests, right, Amy? It kind of reminds me of what Beth said a couple of days ago. And, you know, same thing, right? You got to capitalize and and take advantage of that. And, um, and ask for and ask for what you want. Before you before you jump to your next question, Denise, I wanna I wanna comment on something Lindsay said. So putting things out into the world, asking for what you want, I think are two huge um values that I'm taking away from this part of our, our conversation. And I actually, just as I was getting ready this morning, was like scrolling through Instagram and I found this reel of this girl that, you know, and she's just like, you know how like Netflix from, you know, for if they get like a green light on something, they're like constantly like promoting and they're putting things out and they're just, they're constantly telling people about, you know, what's coming next. And like, I feel like that was too Lindsay, you do a great, great job of like that self-promotion on things that are like upcoming. And even just like with Bobby Brown, like you had told me that she was coming on, you know, when we were, when we were working together. So I was like very excited about that. But, you know, then when you started like promoting it. So I think there's also that piece of, of just kind of putting out what's next and like what you're kind of working on. Um, you know, I think they're also really important takeaways. So not necessarily just like, I think when, when you're marketing a business and even marketing yourself, like if you're putting out into the world, like what it is that you're looking for, I think that you're going to start to, you're going to start to get people that are going to like hear what you're saying and make those, make those connections for you. Here's the thing. The other thing about that is a lot of, you know, what I share and how I share it is very intentional. So when I was setting up my social media for this week, for example, I asked Jen, I said, are you comfortable if I share that you're coming back on the podcast and, and no timelines or anything? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to share everything I'm doing all at once. Right. Right. So I think later today, I think it's later today, there's a post going up that is like an amazing text testimonial that someone gave me about this class I taught last year, social media for small business. And in it, I ask, how would you guys like me to bring this class back? Okay. Tomorrow. Oh, I mm -hmm. to, I, did it go up already? I, don't I know feel like I saw something. What oh, would okay. you want? Or, you know, I, don't I probably I've been, I've been asking. I've been like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a slow roll, right? Tomorrow I'm recording with Jen. So I will probably put something up teasing that. Right. And then as we get into like later next week, you're going to start hearing me talk more and more about it. But it's not everything all at once. It's not like Jen Sherman's coming back on the podcast and we're talking all about social media and I'm going to have this new class. It's like really like a gradual play because like based on what you just said, you can't put it all out at once because people can't digest it all at once. Right. So, you know, you want to keep them interested. So it's very intentional how I do things. <clears throat> no, and that's a really good tip. That's a and that's a really good tip. And I think uh, just that, like, intentionally how you're setting this up, and like even taking taking cues from like what people do in other industries, right? And how they promote products, and they they put things, you know, they they launch and they let people know, you know, something's coming. You know, just it's very slow, but they're not necessarily yeah, they're not showing their full hand right away. Um. So yeah, cool. 
Absolutely. Well, we heard, we talked a lot about Jen Sherman, right? And your love of uh, live music, too. I heard a little bit here. Um, what is your favorite band or what are you going to be fangirling about this summer? Uh, I know I've got a couple of shows, like kind of the more mainstream shows in my future, but like I got a Taylor Swift ticket. I don't know how for my daughter. <laughs> I don't know how. And, and um, God, it was a lot of, uh, and, and also some Coldplay, but I know you've got like from following you that you've got like a really solid lineup. So what are some of you want to share with us? Yeah. I mean, so I do think that there's still, there's still time. There's still going to be like Ravinia hasn't come out yet, though. I'm not holding my breath for that because <laughs> given, given what they've previewed, I don't, I'm not, I'm not so sure, but um, but there's still a lot of time left for, for bands to be releasing their schedules, but what do I have? So I'm kicking off 2023 concert season tonight, actually, oh, with Matt so Nathanson yeah. at Space in Evanston. And that is like a really special show. He's amazing. He's one of my favorite performers. He's such a great storyteller. And Space in Evanston is a 250-person venue. So anywhere you stand, you're basically on the stage. It's amazing. And I'm seeing him tomorrow night in Milwaukee. So that's kind of, that's like mm-hmm. what I have to start off. I have a bunch of Dave Matthews tickets who I love and I always go see Dave, Amy, you'll appreciate this. My the big Dave weekend in Chicago that I look forward to every year is the same weekend as my daughter's away tournament for softball this summer. So, you know, I'm nearly having a panic attack about that. But the away tournament is only in is uh, in Madison. So I might go to Dave Friday and then meet my family up there on Saturday. Um, I have pink tickets, which I'm so excited for. She's amazing. And I prefer her over Taylor Swift any day of the week. Um, I am. I have tickets, I think, to Bare Naked Ladies. I have tickets to. Um, Camp, which is one of my newer favorite bands. They're playing at this awesome venue in Chicago called the Salt Shed. Um, I, I have I other have things too. I think before. camp is great. C-A-A-M-P. Um, I think I have tickets to Goo Goo Dolls and they're coming with OAR to Northerly Island. But like I said, there's still a lot of time. I'm You're reliving for, our youth. You I know. reliving our youth through our music. I know. Music. Well, <laughs> Counting Crows is likely going to announce a tour. That's who I'm waiting for. And whether it's later this summer or in the fall, um, I'm waiting for them to announce as well. So I, I think that there's still a lot left. I'd really like to see Bruce Springsteen. I have not seen him yet. And I was ever, not. Never, 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 never. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a good show. That's like happened to be one show I have seen. I've seen him in Jersey. So it's cool. But um, yeah, you got to check it out. I know. I know. I'm with He's I'm, in Milwaukee tonight. I know he is, but I'm, in, I'm seeing Matt Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wanted to go to that show with you. Uh, well that's so fun I love that Um, I love that well you've got a good lineup I've kind of reconnected with live music again and it's super fun so I I saw you in your community talking a lot about that so I thought I'd hear who's on your list (laughs) a lot of people (laughs) that's a big can of worms you just opened (laughs) well it's a big part of who you are your your love of music and um, you know, you'll have to, I have to look at when I, I haven't been to a Dave Matthews band concert and, you know, probably since high school. Well, he's coming to Summerfest. <laughs> but I love so it. he's coming to Summerfest and it's actually an easier place to see him than like Northerly Island. It's so easy yeah. to shoot up to Milwaukee. So I'm going to that. And then a couple of shows here and we have tickets to, I think some, I think maybe Jones beach in New York. I don't know if we'll keep them or if we'll sell them. Oh, so fun. So fun. Um, okay. So as we pivot away from the the live music conversation, um, I want to touch upon a big a big piece of something that I struggle with. I know as a business owner, um, is 
in addition to being, in addition to the power of being able to ask for what you want, is also having the confidence in knowing and understanding the value that you provide to your clients. Um, So I'm still at the stage in my business where I sometimes feel like I have imposter syndrome. I know what I want to be able to offer my clients, and I think I know what I am worth. Um, However, as both Denise and I create offers for our respective services, we both struggle with what the market is able to afford and how others will perceive the price and value to what we bring to the table. Um, It was also a conversation that I actually just came about in, um, I I have a therapist that I see, and this literally came up in our conversation yesterday. So she gave me some really good insights as well. But Lindsay, can you help us with this yin and yang between the value and price? I think people often undervalue what we as women bring to the table and how do we service-based businesses break through the value and price conversation so we can convert clients who understand the value that we bring to the role and are comfortable with what we are also charging. Yes, of course. And I'm going to talk a little bit about two different aspects here. I want to talk a little bit about services. And I also want to talk about um, events because there was something that came up this week that I think is really important to point out. But the first thing I want to talk about is pricing your offer. So, you know, there is no formula for pricing, right? I think it's really important to make sure that your experience shines through, that your history shines through, that you share stories of how you've helped clients and what they've achieved from your from your tips and from your help, because that like there are a lot of people out there in the world who are trying to sell things they have no business selling because they have zero experience in doing it. And they're like letting AI write them copy and content. And they're basically mm-hmm. talking a language that isn't theirs. So I think it's so important to really put a personal spin on it and to share your stories and to really connect with the consumer you want to reach by your experience. So that is first and foremost, because experience, I think, speaks volume, speaks volumes. But when it goes to act, when it comes down to actually choosing a price and deciding what you want to charge for a workshop or a course or a one-on-one or whatever it might be, there really is no formula, right? And there's no like right or wrong way to do it. And it's really what someone will pay and it's making sure that you're reaching the right clients, right? So I think that in the beginning, it's really important when you're first starting out to kind of back into this number that you want to achieve per hour and kind of in your head, have that in your, have that in the back of your mind and Mm -hmm. use that in order to generate whatever a package price is or a workshop price or a course or whatever it might be. Now, when you put the price out into the world, one of three things are going to happen. People are going to jump on it people are going to negotiate or people are going to walk away, right? So if people jump on it, there's a really good chance that you're priced a little bit low. If people negotiate with you, you're probably a little bit right. And I would say instead of coming down in price, maybe throw in some something extra that you can offer them because mm. I, I just would rather offer something extra that can enhance my my results with them versus negotiating on price. And if they walk away, they walk away. And if people aren't responding, then you might need to revisit kind of what your pricing mechanism is. So I think that that's kind of a really good litmus test on pricing. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the the best way to kind of work to a place where you can increase your prices is increasing the demand, right? So 
even if you price yourself a little bit lower to start than you would maybe want to be making, work yourself up so that you build a wait list and generate a wait list for your time. And then people want what they can't have, right? If they want you and you're busy, sorry. And from there, you can slowly increase your rates. I mean, Amy, my rates have gone up since you and I have have worked together from on a monthly basis and people are paying them, you know, and if people don't want to pay them, then they're not my right client and that's okay. You know, and that's something that you kind of have to tell yourself. I interviewed this woman, Sally Holder, who she's actually, she's, she's brilliant. She's, um, she has a whole business on, um, coaching and uh, coaching for female founders. She's, I'm dear found her today actually. And, you know, she said it took me five months to get my first client. People expect there to be a formula to put something out there and it happened overnight. But she said it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it happens by connecting and sharing your experiences and building your trust and building testimonials and maybe trading. And I told you that originally trade services, get, you know, get your offer down pat. So I think that that's really important. And then you build over time. There's another woman that I had on the podcast, Rachel Schwartz Nutrition, who has a nutrition coaching business. Her wait list is like, she wouldn't even tell me what it was because I, it's like embarrassing to the point that like, she's like, people are just never gonna be able to work with me. But like, she's really generated a lot of demand for her service. And so, you know, she has this wait list and she's able to increase her prices. And if they don't want to pay, if someone doesn't want to pay, then she offer, you know, she offers it to someone else and people are paying. So that's kind of, I think the interesting, the interesting way to look and and the practical way to look at pricing your offer or your service. Now, something came up this week that I was very turned off by. I was invited by two different entities who quote support women and small businesses to Mm. one was a lunch and one was a dinner. And the cost to attend was $500, okay? Oh my gosh. I don't know what the fuck they were offering for $500. A gold bar maybe, I don't know, okay? <laughs> and it was it was a really big turnoff to me. And I'll tell you why it was a big turnoff to me. It was a turnoff to me for both because I planned and executed events for 11 years. And I never once charged over $200 for someone to come to a Bump Club and Beyond event. Do you know what they got with a ticket for $200? A stroller, a full out stroller. Okay. So I was never part of the camp of like, I need to make money off my community, like directly. You know what I'm saying? I was in the camp of, I need to build a community who trusts me, who's going to come to my events, who wants to be a part of my community, and I'm going to make money off them from sponsors, all right? And that takes time, surely. It absolutely takes time. But once you turn someone away, like by by telling them they have to pay $500 to come to a dinner with no explanation about what's included, like, was there a gift bag? There was nothing about a gift bag. There was, I mean... I don't know what it was, but no one should be paying that to come to a dinner unless $400 of that is going to charity. And, you know, and I really strongly believe in that. Do not gouge your customers for short-term financial gain because you will lose them forever. I will never look at this entity to go to dinner again, period. End of story. That's a lot of money to ask for somebody. Well, and it's the community at hand 
yes, is professionals. And yes, it, it's not just small businesses, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs. And she's, you know, this is someone who also has a, extended an invitation personally to me, which I don't believe in that either. You cannot extend a personal invitation to someone and then pass them a link to pay $500 for something that is in such poor taste. And I just don't believe in that. So, you know, I think you just have to really, one, get a grip on like what your community can actually afford and will pay to come to something. And two, build it up over time. Like, you might not make tons of money from that part of your business immediately, but if you build the trust with your community and you're selling out dinners like I did with Bump Club to the point that there were a couple months at Bump Club, it, it, like during the height of Bump Club, where we would sell out a dinner at 120 expectant parents. They would each pay $50 to come to this dinner, okay? $50 included dinner at a Lettuce Entertain You restaurant, a speaker, which you would pay more than $50 to hear a speaker like that at a hospital and not get dinner. So it was definitely the value was right there. And then mm -hmm. a gift bag that in, that was worth over $150 in products you would actually use for your baby. So they were getting a lot of value for these tickets. And we would sell out 125 tickets. And then the next and, and then we would have a wait list. And there was a couple months that we extended it and offered a second dinner or a second dinner and then an overflow. And the overflow wasn't even dinner. We would like have a seminar for $25 just to give these people the information. So hmm. you, that is what you want when you're selling like a ticket to something or, a, you know, a seminar or something like that. You don't want people to be turned away because you feel that they owe you, you know, $500 to come to dinner it, that's or lunch. That's just not okay. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it sounds like you built trust, right? You made it more attainable versus aspirational, right? I mean, you know, charging an exorbitant price for a dinner kind of reminds me of like something that maybe a politician or a celebrity, you know, influencer might be doing, right? To like make it seem like out of touch so that people want to do it, right? Versus you were trying to build a community that was attainable, right? So I commend you for that, right? And it shows. I mean, I think, did you say a Bump Club and Beyond at one point had 3 million? followers? Is that what we you didn't said? have 3 million followers. We were reaching about 3 million a month. Mm. And that was during the time when we were working with Target and Huggies. And, you know, mm. we had some ad dollars behind what we were doing, but um, our reach both organic and paid was 3 million at one point. Wow. Yeah. Super impressive. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what is the best way for Denise and I to determine the offer? We talked, we, we've talked a little bit about that, but ours, I feel like is kind of ever evolving. And we're kind of listening to the conversation that's out there. I've tackled a bunch with with people having some fear behind posting on social media um, and coming up with, you know, opportunities and blog posts and, you know, some conversation around that and, and trying to solve, you know, trying to solve that problem. Um, so when, when I say that, like, I think that our offer is ever evolving based on the needs of what I hear our prospective clients and our community asking for. Is that a good way to design packages for our services? I I do think to a degree, yes. So there's two things that I recently did that um two things that I recently have done that I that I believe are were very helpful in in me kind of changing the way not just I package things, but the way I talk about things. So the first thing is I actually sent a I think it was a job form or a Google form or something. And I did a survey 
of my whole community. I posted it on Instagram. I sent it in an email. I got a lot of responses. I think I got over 50 and there were like maybe 12 to 15 questions. And I asked really specific questions about what are your pain points? What are you looking for? Do you want help? Are you open to help? Like just all these different things. Like what, what, where do you see yourself in three years? Where do you see yourself in six years? Um, what will happen if you don't make changes? Like just all of these things, because I wanted to hear how my community was talking about their problems. Because when you hear how your community talks about your problems, you can use their language to talk back to them. Okay. And so that's, and that's really important because I might be saying something, but they might be interpreting it in another way. Even if I mean what they, what I, what I, even if I mean what, like, I think that I, even if, do you know what I'm saying? Like, even if I say something that I think they, that will resonate with them, I might not be saying it correctly. And so if you can use the language that your community is using to describe their pain points, I think that that's really an advantage to you. And I also think it's an advantage to know your community as best as you can. So what better than to ask them questions? So I did that, which was great. And then the other thing that I did was, well, two other things, actually. One is I have listened to people on social media. I mean, I really and truly have this huge pivot. Not, It's not a pivot because it's I've done it already, but I wasn't intending to do it right now. But because my community has been talking to me about not understanding how to do run social media for their business, and they have really been talking to me about this, I am bringing back this class that I taught last year. And I don't think I would have done that had they not been talking to me about that. But I'm going to use that class to hopefully get more people into my bigger class when I offer it again, or when I offer it as an online module, which is a potential for later this year. So I do think that you need to be giving your people what they want. And so if people are not wanting like bigger picture marketing in my Instagram community, but they really need help with something else I can service them on, of course, I'm going to help them. That, That would be silly not to. And then the last thing that I did was I really took a good hard look at some of the successes with current clients, both coaching and consulting. And I changed the way I offer my packages, both to consulting clients and coaching clients based on what worked, what has worked, what's been successful, feedback that my clients have given me. And I've seen other success come from that as well. And the biggest change that I made there was um, I have an offering for my consulting clients, which my consulting clients, it's more like I do it for them and and it's consulting. It's a little bit of both. And I had a lot of clients who, yes, they were hiring me to do like content and social media and partnerships and some email stuff, like a lot of a lot of stuff. But where we were seeing the most success and where they really liked, I, I think they liked it the most, even though I think there were a lot of other things that I did that were were positive for them. Um, was their social media. And so I actually now offer a like just a two month social media refresh that I do for clients now where I go in and I overhaul their social media. That's usually the first thing that I do for a client. But because a lot of clients were loving it, I made it a standalone as well. So you don't have to hire me to continue on after and do email and partnerships the way that other clients have. If you just need a social media overhaul because your social media is stale, I will come in and refresh your whole content strategy and teach your team how to execute per my strategy. And that's proven successful too. So I guess it's those three things. It's asking your community, it's um, asking your clients and looking at the successes and um, 
you know, and, and kind of just seeing like when I say asking your community, asking them in a survey form and then asking them and seeing what they have to say on, on social media too. Does that answer the question? That was a long answer. No, that was super helpful. Yeah. It's smart. That's smart. Definitely. I mean, we've heard so many good nuggets here, like about, you know, social media, how you price your value, all these things. Right. Um, and you know, the career coach in me thinks like, how did you get to this place? Right. So maybe if there's one piece of advice that you've heard, career advice you heard along the years, uh, maybe you could share with our listeners that might inspire them to, you know, even if it's not coaching or consulting, something that they do that, uh, that might give them some inspiration. Yeah, of course. I mean, honest to God, I think that the biggest, the biggest thing is that things take time. I mean, success takes time. I built Bump Club over 10 years. You know, I mean, this was not something that happened overnight. And at first, the first two years, I barely paid myself, you know. And so I think it is so important to keep going, especially when you are seeing growth and when you are seeing, you know, increases in success and when you are seeing traction, because that means that you're on to something. But it just takes time to get to a place where you're like, holy shit, like I've, you know, like this is really a success. It's, it just, you you have to be willing to put in the time and to know that it's not going to be instant gratification. And I think in today's world of social media, everyone just thinks and assumes that like everyone is out there killing it and, you know, their instant success. And that is just not how it works. And and no one talks about the other pieces of it. But you just have to keep going. And and then the second part of that is if you're not seeing growth and what you're putting out into the world isn't getting traction, make a change. Yeah. Like why why are you afraid to make a change? Like, even if it's something so simple as how you position yourself. You know, I went through and changed my website this year on how I positioned myself because previously it looked like it was like for me as a spokesperson, which it was. And for me as an expert in the parenting space, which it was. And yes, it said that I was a consultant, but that wasn't the focal point. And so I changed the way I positioned myself. And now that I have, I think people are starting to understand more what it is that I do. And I also would say, don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for feedback and to take it without being defensive. Because if someone isn't understanding what you're doing and you and they tell you that, take it and run with it and fix it and change it. You know, like, don't be like, so all, you know, high and mighty that you can't take the feedback from people, you know, and it doesn't have to be people who are close to you. And and in fact, I think that it shouldn't be people who are close to you because the people who are closest to you aren't going to tell you the truth. They're just not. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, I love. It's so true. I mean, I love that. We talk a lot about progress, not perfection. Right. You know, um, and one of the things that I always remember is a SVP of sales at um, a technology company I worked at for many years. He would walk by. He's like, robot, you can always change a plan. You can never change an unplanned. Right. Which, hey, you change your plan. You you went about it. But if you never had a plan. Right. You wouldn't be able to change it. So I always remind myself of that, too, when things aren't happening as quickly as I'd like. Right. <laughs> Well, and I think back to two, what I feel like, Lindsay, one of the first questions that you and I discussed, or like the first question that you asked me is like, what does a consultant mean to you? Like, what is it that you do? And kind of figuring out how to rephrase that as we, you know, embarked on like discussing our story. And that's something that Denise and I, we tell, we talk about a lot. And I think, you know, even Denise can attest to this, you know, when you and I got as we were going through our coaching 
and kind of putting our offer out there as, as, you know, and preparing for my first like webinar that I did in December. And it was like a few, like maybe like a week or two before. And I didn't have a lot of like signups. And I was like, I don't understand, you know, why people aren't, you know, why people aren't signing up. And she's like, you're, you haven't like put it out there. This is what you said to me, Lindsay, like you haven't put it out there to the, to, to, to fatigue, right. To a point of like where people see things at different times. And so I constantly am like, you know, reminded of that. And Denise and I, we talk about that too, like within, you know, your, in, in her offering and, and her, you know, consulting and I'm rambling a bit about this, but the point that I'm I'm trying to make is that People don't know what it is that you do right off the bat. And that you have to tell them. You also have to tell them. Right. And so I'm trying to get into the habit of at the beginning of every month of doing a, you know, a a reintroduction because I have new people that have started to follow me and putting that out. And the same thing, you know, with on our podcast is, you know, just constantly letting people know, you know, just you have to tell people what it is that you do because people don't listen, you know. We, we're glad that you're listening to our show, but you're not always taking in. <laughs> here's, ev- you know, here's everything. something I'd like to say about that, actually, is that and this was really good advice that I was given to me. I, w- I was having dinner with a friend recently and I was like she was asking me about work and I was telling her about like all these different really like cool things that I was doing with clients. And she looked at me and she said, why aren't you sharing these things in your stories on social media? She said, all you have to do is go on like once a day and you don't have to say, hey, guys, it's me. You know, she was like, all you have to say is I was with a client today and they were talking about so-and-so and this is what I told them to do and this is what we decided on. And she's like, share those bits of information because it helps paint a picture of what it is that you do. And she said, and you're selling without selling. She said, you're soft selling. So she said, you're not asking them to buy something, but you're informing them of how you can help them too down the road. And I will say that since I've started doing that, which I have started doing that a lot more, and I've started sharing more stories with my clients, both in my stories and and on like asset posts as well, Mm -hmm. I have started seeing an uptick in people inquiring for my services. There is a direct correlation between that. So don't be embarrassed to like, share the advice that you give to clients on your social media. Like it's okay to share that. It's totally okay to share that your client isn't paying for the advice. They're paying for you. They're paying for your energy, for your attention, for your, you know, your customization, any like advice they can Google. I'm sorry, they can. So, you know, they're paying for you. So I think it's okay to share those things and really like remind people what it is that you do. So as a follow-up to that, how do you go about like, you just kind of share, you know, like I have, I I can think of like one of my clients that I'm working with right now, and he's had a very successful um, financial run by implementing certain programs. So do you just kind of talk about it just like that? And just like, off well, the cuff, I would say something like more... a little, I would do something off the cuff, but very specific, like, you know, it may be at the end of your time with someone, you could say, I just wrapped up with a client today. And over the course of, you know, six months, we implemented A, B, and C, and the results were D, E, and F. Like that could be something kind of very succinct. Okay. But what I like to do really off the cuff is say, oh, I just had this call with a potential client today and they got on the phone and they said to me, 
we offered these courses. This is like a real one that happened. We offered these courses. They're small courses because we only have so much inventory and we don't know how to scale. Like what, like what should we do? And so I said to them, well, I think that we should do a webinar and I think that we should maybe figure out a way to put your course online so you can offer it to people all over the country, not just people in your home. And, you know, and I said, and from there, I think there needs to be some content that we put out into the world showing what it is that you do because there's no content on your website. So I kind of like shared what I workshopped with them. But like even I think this morning I went on and I and I gave an example of how someone called me yesterday and they wanted social media help. They wanted a social media manager and that's not what I do. So I said, I said, no. And and I said, but I said, you know, let's talk a little bit about this. And, you know, she had a very small budget. So I said to her, well, you have this great content plan and that's something you invested a lot of money in, which I do think is a really good advice that a brand should invest in a content strategy. But you can have a virtual assistant execute it if you don't have the budget. And so I talked a little bit about that in my stories. And I just like to share like real bits of information because it shows that you're human. It shows what you do. And and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be polished. It, it really doesn't have to be polished. And it can be like one little thing, right? Like one little thing that a client did and and found success from. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you have so many of those experiences, both of you. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, I struggle with imposter syndrome too on that and social media specifically. And I'm I'm always inspired by you getting on at all times, right? And And just sharing that. So I think that's helpful, whether you're, you know, coaching, whether you're looking to change your career. I mean, it could be anything, right? It doesn't even have to be like, we're talking specific. We kind of all are in the helping profession to a certain degree, but like, it could also be someone who's looking to make a career change, right? It could even be your strategy on LinkedIn. It doesn't have to be just, you know, what we're, we kind of all are in related areas. So no, I love that. Um, I have to get out there more. Amy's the one who's usually coaching me. Just get on there. I'm like, I don't know. My hair is not done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You just have to put yourself out. Like I'm going to record some stuff today because I've got some makeup on that, you know, I'm going to replay like over the week, but you know, I'll just record just my hair in a top knot, you know, no makeup because you know what, that's where that literally is how I look 98% of the time. And you know, that's the authentic side of, of, of what you get with me. So yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're doing something right with your podcast, Lindsay, and showing the value of, of your offer of asking what you want. You've built an, a very successful 2.0 for Lindsay Pinchuk. And you've also ranked in the top 2% of podcasts, which both of us aspire to, um, to get there. We're not there, but that's okay. You'll get there. More than our mothers listen to our show. So thank you for that. <laughs> Um, but between both of your accounts, you have, you have close to 18,000 or eight, yeah, 18,000 followers on Instagram. Talk to your listeners a little bit about your social strategy, this kind of 2.0 that you've put out. We've talked a lot of, you know, we've talked to, uh, we've talked about some of it throughout the conversation today, but you know, just kind of how you got here. Yeah. So when I left Bump Club and Beyond, it was kind of ironic that like, you know, I had built Bump Club to, I don't know, like 75,000 followers and which, I mean, even in today's standards is not huge, but it was bigger than what I have now. And I never focused on my personal Instagram. So when I knew I was going to leave, I kept saying when I was on the Bump Club social media, make sure you're following me, make sure you're following me. 
And there were a lot of people that came over and they, I, and even still I get people that come over they're like, Oh, I didn't know where you went. And I found you. And like, that makes me so happy. But when I started Lindsay Pinchuk, when I kind of had to reinvent myself, you can scroll all the way down to like 18 months ago and you can see very clearly, like I put my logo up and I really changed direction on my personal Instagram because it wasn't really personal anymore. It was about business. And yes, I share some personal things, but it's my personal brand. And so my strategy on Lindsay Pinchuk really, you know, and really for, this is the strategy I use for all my clients. This is the strategy I use for Dear Founder. But, you know, I have five to six things that I talk about consistently, constantly over and over and over and over again. And I think that that is so important. People know why they're coming to me. People know and they expect, you know, that I'm going to talk about certain things. And I always ask myself, like, does this fit into one of these five or six categories? I call them content buckets. And if they don't, I usually don't share it. Or if I'm sharing something, I say, okay, I really want to share something like, this was an example I used a couple of weeks ago. I really want to share something about what would have been my grandfather's 100th birthday. How do I make it fit into my strategy? Well, how I shared lessons that he taught me for business. And that's how I shared it. So everything is just really on brand and tight. And I have a second account for my podcast, which is Dear Found Her, which that's where like everything for the podcast goes. So everything for the podcast is on Dear Founder. And now I'm starting to share founders in our community as well. And it's really a place for female founders. And you don't see me as much. But in my own Instagram, you see a lot of me, you see a lot of my expertise and a little bit of the podcast. So it's kind of, you know, it's I'm really building two separate entities. And when I can, I share the content. So I'll have the content collaborate when it makes sense, but not always. So that's kind of like my overarching strategy. But very similar to Dear Founder is I have, you know, five or six things that I talk about there over and over and over again, but they all pertain to the podcast. So um, or female founders, it's very different. Like I'll share founder news there. Um, just it's different. It's a different feel than, than it is on my personal. And every now and then I'll go into the stories. I probably should more, but who the hell has time? Um, you know, so that's kind of like the strategy that I take. And I think the biggest strategy that I take with all of it is just to be myself. I mean, really and truly like I have no problem sharing things. I have no problem calling people out. I have no problem getting on when I'm not showered and made up. Um, and usually those are the things that do the best. Yeah, for sure. I know one of the things when we were working together, it was just get out there and, you know, you have to just show up and put yourself out there. And I don't have like a ton of, a, a ton of followers on social media, but what I will say is that just in the, so you and I worked together, like what, September, October, November ish of last year. And I probably was like in the mid 300s in terms of followers and I probably grown about a hundred since then. So, and that's just, that's great. That's but, and right. And then that's just like me showing up and like putting stuff out there. Like it, I I joke. But also let's put this into perspective, Amy, that's like a 25% or a 30% growth. And that's very much over, over industry standard when you think about it. Correct. If they're, if, if your industry standard on Instagram is like two to 3%, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's it's huge. just changing the way you post it. Right. Correct. Like, yep. And, the and showing up yes. yep. and showing up and putting things out there and kind of like listening to what's like actually working. Um, 
you know, and that's what I would say is that like, okay, if if you're going to walk away from here with actionable tips for social media, it's be yourself, be consistent and show up consistently. You cannot, you cannot like show up one week and then not show up the other another week. Don't post and ghost. That's Mm -hmm. a really big thing. You have to engage. You have to be social. You know, those are probably the three things that I would say are like non-negotiables. If you want to see traction on your social media, period. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And you're building quality followers too, right? And so so are you, Lindsay, right? These are not just like, you're not collecting them to collect them, right? People. No. And I will say this, this has been like another thing that I implemented with some clients and I tried to do with myself. Like I don't run ads, but if I have a post that does really well, I will put like 25 or $30 behind it and I'll boost it. And I do see an increase of followers, the right kind of followers from that, because I boost it to a demographic that I choose on the back end. Mm. And I like, I have audiences set up in my, in my Instagram, like one is female founders, one is small business owners, um, different geographic terms, you know, behind it. And I will say when I'm running boosted ads, I do see an increase and it's an increase in the right people. Good. Okay. Okay. That's really helpful to know, right? As we near the end of this discussion, Lindsay, you provided our listeners with so, so many valuable insights, whether you're a founder or you're just making a big change in your life, right? On how to determine worth and also effectively communicating your needs and and your social media strategies. Um, To summarize, can you suggest three actionable tips that our audience can take if they find it challenging to showcase their value? One, I would ask clients and customers for testimonials and I would share them. That is like the easiest way that you can show your value. And, you know, it, it, when you have actual real people behind you backing up what it is that you're doing, that's, you know, that's important. Number two is I would show metrics, showcase success metrics in what you're doing, share them. You know, I, I share like increases in reach, increases in engagement amongst my clients Mm -hmm. because that's what I do. I give them strategies to increase those numbers that then lead to more followers and then lead to more bottom line success. Right. So if you have access to like hard, hard numbers or success stories that maybe isn't in the form of a testimonial, I would absolutely share those as well. And then the last thing is kind of what I was saying before, share your experiences. You know, if, if people, if you want to showcase your value, share your experience because I am sorry, but no one can argue with 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years of experience. You know, there, there is no one that can show up to compete with that if they have nothing. So share the stories, share the stories of your career, of your success, of your growth. You know, people want to connect with that and they will connect with that. So share your experiences, share metrics and share testimonials. And that's how you show your value. And so even if you're at a point of like a pivot, right? So Denise works with you know, uh, people within like a career transition or even someone like me that was really focused on sales for very, for many years of my career. And then through different products that I've sold have, has morphed into marketing, utilizing those experiences, I think are really key as well, because absolutely you, I mean, you were in sales. Part of being in sales is marketing yourself and marketing what it is that you're selling in order to sell it. Like, you know, I always, like when I did my like reposition of my brand, I say I've been building brands for 25 years because guess what I have? I had jobs in college that were marketing where brands hired me to be brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. That was building brands. 
every girl in my sorority and all the sororities on Washington Avenue in Michigan my year had mod robes, which were these dumb pants from Canada that no one had. But guess what? My boyfriend was Canadian and I brought him in and I sold him to <laughs> sororities. That was building a brand. Right. So, you know, and I went on to to do other jobs as well. And when I was working in magazine publishing, I was building brands because I was giving brands solutions within our stable of of titles to essentially build themselves, you know, at the grocery store or at retail, whatever it might be. So, you know, I have been building brands for 25 years, so it's all in how you position it, right? Have I been building my own brand for 25 years? No, but I've been building it for 13, 14 years. And there's something to be said about that as well. So I think that you really need to capitalize on your experience the best you can. Yeah, I think that's your superpower, Lindsay, just the heads up. I always ask that oh, for my you. candidates. So um, building brands and value, that's your superpower. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming, sharing with us. How can our listeners connect with you? Give all the upcoming events, shout outs you want to share um, right here for everyone. Yeah, you can follow me at Lindsay Pinchuk and at Dear Found Her and everything can be found at lindsaypinchuk.com. And make sure that you tune in um, twice a week to my podcast because that's where you'll hear amazing stories from other female founders as well as tips from myself and other professionals um, every Thursday as well. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we have new episodes. Awesome. We're always tuned in here at the mailbox. So thank you, Lindsay, so much for joining us. Thank you for the time. Uh, We can't wait to talk to you again soon, maybe when you're on season three or four. So exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for this week. In season two, our goal is to share actionable tips with you. We hope this podcast episode leaves you feeling encouraged and full of midlife energy. But don't go away yet. Be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're there, click to join our email list. We promise we'll send only meaningful content. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram too. For the show at Midlife at the Mailbox or our individual accounts for our own tips and tricks at Amy L. Alex 28 and Denise Rabat. That's Denise with a Y. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so that we can come into your inbox each week and your feed almost daily. If you're a seasoned listener or just found us, we're glad you did. Make sure that you are following our show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, please share our episode with your midlife bestie and leave us a five-star review so more awesome listeners like you can discover Midlife at the Mailbox. We release new episodes every other week on Thursdays. At least we try. Our podcast is a production from the minds of two midlife besties and produced with love by the very creative Amy Alexander and Denise Rabat. Professional video and audio editing by Hivecast. See you at the mailbox. Bye. Bye.